good morning. I want to welcome you to Cornerstone Church. My name is Sean Apkin. If you're visiting here, I'm the lead pastor, and we are glad you're here today. You guys glad to be here? Yeah. Amen. Listen, we have a treat for you. Uh, Jimmy Bratcher's here with uh, a story of reconciliation and healing from, uh, with his daughter. And listen, I tell you what, Jimmy told me this story about, about two, two years ago, and I, we were at First Watch just sitting eating breakfast. He's telling a story. We were crying. Both of us were crying. And uh, someone must have felt sorry for us because they paid for our breakfast. <laughs> I've tried that since, crying at breakfast time. It doesn't work. But anyway, you have to have, me with you. You have, to have Jimmy with you. But listen, I tell you what, you're going to enjoy this, and God's going to minister to you today through this story. So let's give Jimmy Bratcher a hand right now as he comes. Thank you so much. It's always a, pr- a privilege for us to come to church here at Cornerstone. And y'all know that we love you. And uh, we consider this to be part of our, our family. And speaking of family, I got a whole pile of them here today. And so I want to introduce them to you if I can. So first, my wife, Sherry. Sherry, why don't you stand up? So my wife, Sherry. She's my sweetheart. For those of you that know our story, know that we've been married twice to each other. And, uh, and uh, this December 19th, we'll celebrate our 37th consecutive year of marriage. Yes. How about that? Yes. <clears throat> so some other important people. My daughter Jessica is here. Yeah. And Jessica's husband... Retired First Sergeant, U.S. Marine Corps, Leroy Strong. And their son, Jacob Strong, is here, my grandson. All the way from Dallas, Texas, my son, Jason. And all the way from Atchison, Kansas, my daughter, Amanda. And her fiancé, Chris. And my granddaughter, my favorite granddaughter, Michaela. And, and t- tell them why you're my favorite granddaughter. Because I'm the only one. Cause, yeah, because she's my only granddaughter. And then my grandson, Zane. Amanda's son, Zane. And we have th- three more grandchildren that aren't here. Matt, who is tw- 25. I'm not done yet. I'm still on grandkids. Thank you. Matt, who's 25. Jessica and Leroy live in the Washington, D.C. area. And uh, so Matt's there. Matt's 25. Is that correct? He'll be 26 next week, Tuesday. And Seth, who is 21, 22. Seth is uh, just finished basic training in the Marine Corps and is in Pensacola right now continuing his training. And then Aaron, who just enlisted, he like turned, he graduated high school and the next month went to the Marine Corps. So he's at Paris Island right now, set to graduate October 25th. And then my sister Patsy is here. All the stories about my crazy past, Patsy can validate. And then all the present stories about my crazy present, 
My next door neighbors, Yoshi and Susan Kipper, are here. And Maya. Maya, stand up. This is Maya, Yoshi and Susan's daughter. Sherry posted on Facebook one evening this week how that she was looking forward to the fall weather and how much she loved pumpkin pie. And in about an hour, two slices of hot pumpkin pie fresh out of the oven with fresh homemade whipped cream that Maya had made was brought to the door for Sherry. So, so we're just thrilled to be here. We've had a busy summer. We just completed our annual trip to Sturgis, South Dakota to the Motorcycle Rally. For those of you that know about what we do, we have the opportunity to be in churches like this, and we have the opportunity to be outside in other non-church venues, and Sturgis is our biggest event of the year. This year, we were asked not only to play downtown, which we've done on Main Street for the last six years at the same spot, but we were asked by the owner of the legendary Buffalo Chip to come play at Sturgis, and that is not a church venue, just for those of you that don't know. And they did, you know, when we signed the contract to play there, there was, a, there was a dress code requirement that we'd had to adhere to, and that was that we could not be naked on stage. <laughs> it, was, it was right there in the contract. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, we signed that earlier. And, uh, but the Buffalo Chip asked me to come and to perform, but they also asked me to come and to pray. And it was such an honor for me. You know, bikers like to be prayed over. Did you know that? Every biker wants their bike to be blessed. And so they do this thing called a bike blessing. This is so popular that in May, Pope Francis even did a bike blessing at the Vatican for Harley-Davidson's 110th anniversary. And so they asked me to come and to play. We, we played for three days every day on the crossroads stage, and then we did a bike blessing. But there was a problem with the logistics in that where we were at, nobody brought their motorcycles. They parked them outside and walked in, so there were no bikes to bless. So quickly, I had a bright idea. Oh, this isn't a bike blessing. This is a biker blessing. And so after our performance was over, I announced through the performance that we were going to be praying for bikers, and so I just stood up and asked everyone to bow with me and prayed for all the bikers that were there. And I believe that God hears and answers prayer, and I know that he'll hear and answer that. They liked it so much that they've already invited us back for next year, so we're excited about that opportunity. So if you have a Bible, does anybody really like have a real Bible besides? Uh, there you go. There's two, three. Oh, there's a few of them. Or an iPad or a smartphone or something like that. Find Mark chapter 7, verse 37. Mark 7, 37. See, it used to be whenever you come to church and you were speaking, you could know when to speak after you introduced a text because you'd hear the pages turning. And so I told first services, we need an app for that. So all of y'all with smartphones, you know, it's like it's whoosh, whoosh, you can hear it turning so that I'll know when to talk. It's a wonderful time. Let's pray together. <coughs> Father, thank you so much for this opportunity for us to be together as family, your family. Lord, thank you that you didn't call us to be slaves or servants or warriors, but that you called us to be sons and daughters. You called us to your family. 
And so, Lord, I thank you for that calling. And, Lord, today as, I, as we share the story together, Lord, I pray that we would be able to connect to you, first of all, as Father, to each other individually as family. And, Lord, where those connections have been broken or severed, that, Lord, that you would show us how they could be restored and healed. Lord, I thank you for it, Father, and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark seven thirty seven. you know, you can't come to church without having Bible, so this is the official, this makes this official. I'm going to read it out of a couple of different translations. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation and the New King James Translation. It says this. They were completely amazed and said again and again, everything he does is wonderful. He makes the deaf to hear and gives speech to those who cannot speak. They're talking about Jesus, of course. Everybody say Jesus. I love that name. The, The New King James reads like this. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. I know no better way to describe Jesus than this. Be above and beyond all that I could ask or think. We titled this little talk, this little story, big story that we're going to share with you today, When God Shows Off. Because you know what? Every time... God is involved in something. It's like these people said here in Mark. They were astonished. They just stood back and all they could say was, He does all things well. God loves to show off. Whenever hearts are open to believe in Jesus, He is always astounding. Especially when it comes to forgiveness. Because forgiveness is his specialty. And when it's about our families and forgiveness, you better get out of the way. Because God's going to show off. I don't know if you're like me. You probably are. But I just have this knack of jacking things up. (laughs) If it's left up to me, I'll mess it up every time. Whenever I do, I turn around and there's always a trail of broken hearts. And I'm sure if I just went around the room that I would hear story after story of how your heart was broken. And because we're in church in a room full of believers, I would hear story after story of how Jesus healed your broken heart. And that's what this gathering is about. How the hurts that we have can be healed. How God can show off in our lives and take those things that we've broken, those things that have been broken by our fault or someone else's, and how he can bring his power to bear in our lives and in our families to heal and show off. The only variable in the equation is are we willing? Because you see, God will always meet us at that place where we're willing. And so today, I want to tell you a story, a detailed story, about how God's been showing off in our family the last couple of years. And I'm going to start 
on Father's Day, June 21st, 2009, in St. Louis, Missouri. A young lady attending her church, and she's so impressed by the speaker in that service that she begins to text her big sister on the East Coast about this incredible speaker that's speaking in their church. When her big sister asks the name of this man, and she replies, the phone goes silent. Finally, her big sister responds and says, do you know who this man is to me, to her little sister? And she said, no. Who's this man to you? And she says, he's my dad. She had never met her dad. She knew three things about her dad. She knew his name. She knew that he had curly hair. And she knew that he played guitar. And on this Father's Day, she was reminded of all the pain and all the hurt in her life because she'd never known her dad. You see, I am her dad. In 1971, I was a selfish, out-of-control 17-year-old, undisciplined, and I made some terrible, terrible choices. And one of them was to reject the truth that I was this girl's dad. But you know, there's a funny thing about the truth. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. It's still the truth. Father's Day, 2009. Fast forward to February 13th, 2011. I was in a church in Christiana, Pennsylvania, Sherry and I. And we were speaking there, and I was getting ready to speak for the last time in a series of meetings. And I was in the green room, in the conference room of the church, having a cup of coffee, when I heard a voice down inside my heart. And that voice said this, I'm about to change your life. And I started thinking of all the things I wanted changed in my life. And you know, whenever we do that, we always get it wrong. Because God likes to show off. And he's going to do beyond and beyond, you know, above and beyond all that we could ask or think. He's going to go beyond the natural reasons of our mind. And he did. I finished the service and we got in the car to head to the airport at Philadelphia when I got an email from this girl's mother that I hadn't talked to since 1971. And the email said this. It's overdue that you should meet your daughter and your grandsons. Her name is Jessica. You can look her up on Facebook. And so today, I would like you to have the honor of meeting my daughter, Jessica. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I got through all that without crying. You started to. I saw I, it. No, I started to. <laughs> Do you have anything you want to say? After that Father's Day in 2009, I refused to acknowledge his existence. I put it back in the box that it had been in since I was little and decided that it just needed to stay there, and I was just not going to deal with it. And about 
seven months later, I'm sitting in a room in hospice with my husband's father, and I'm having one of those loud moments with God. In my heart, I was screaming, he's dying, and you're taking him from me. My grandfather, who is the only earthly father I'd ever known, is old, and he's going to die soon. How could you take him from me? Who's going to be my daddy now? That was in February of 2010. And in March of 2011, I got a Facebook friends request from Jimmy Bratcher. And I'm watching the Daytona 500 with my husband. Well, he's watching the Daytona 500. I'm thinking about going to the store. (laughs) And I see this friend's request in my email, and I hand the computer to my husband, and he looks at me and says, what? And I said, I need you to look at this. And he says, woman, the race is on. Leroy, we need to talk. (laughs) So he looks at it. And he says, isn't that your dad? And I said, "Mm, yeah. And he says, well, what are you going to do about it? And I looked at him. I looked at it. Looked back at him. I'm going to the store. (laughs) I don't remember much of that drive between trying to keep it on the road and trying to see through the tears. All I knew is that God had something planned, and I wasn't ready for it. I didn't ask for it and wasn't really sure that I was going to be able to deal with it. And my mother sent me a text and said, how you doing? I said, I'm not good. And I called her once I stopped, and I said, is that who I think it is? And she said, yeah. She said, you don't have to do anything with it. You don't have to call him. You don't have to do anything if you don't want to but he's there if you're interested. And for three weeks, I didn't. And on March 7th, Sherry and I and the band were in Daytona. We were doing concerts at Daytona Bike Week, and we just finished, and we were at a restaurant right across the street from the Daytona Speedway when I got an email from Jessica. And the email went something like this. I dealt with my emotions concerning you a long time ago. I put them in a little box in my heart with a ribbon on it and knew that you'd never be there to see me dance or to watch me graduate or to give me away at my wedding. And now that you're here, the little girl in me wants to run to you with my arms open. But the woman in me wants to know where you've been and why now. And thanks for showing up. When she wrote those words, thanks for showing up, that was a sign to me from the Lord. Because those of you that have heard me before, you've probably heard me use this phrase. I have the ministry of showing up. and Because that's my definition of what I do. Christ's in me. Where I go, he goes. When he shows up, stuff happens. And that should be your ministry also. And I took the next five hours to draft an email to answer her questions and to explain to her where I had been. And as I concluded writing that email, 
I used this phrase in reference to her email. I said, Jessica, I hope that the little girl wins. So we started to communicate, text, email. It was a full-time job. I mean, it was a full-time job. And as we were going through the week of March 7th, I felt like I needed to talk to my children. And one of the things that Jessica wanted to know was if my family knew about her. And so, because Amanda is my assistant, our assistant, and she has access to my email, I didn't want her to open up these emails and say, well, who is this person? I wanted to tell her myself, and so I called, and I told her. And friends would ask, as that knew what was going on, they'd say, well, how's Sherry in all this? And Sherry and Amanda had the same answer, independent of each other. Sherry was talking to me one day that week, and she said, you know, Jimmy, said, we have a great life. We have a great family, and we have a great marriage. But something's always been missing. And Jessica... Leroy and the boys. That's what's been missing. And Amanda said the same thing. Now, Jason, he had a different response. Jason said something like, you know, I heard all those crazy stories about you before you knew Jesus, and I'm surprised this didn't happen sooner. And as we were communicating that week, Jessica agreed to meet Sherry and I, her and Leroy, on March 14, 2011, in Charlottesville, Virginia. And it was so exciting and so um, sacred. Through the week before we got there, Jessica sent me a quote from her little sister, the one that was in the church service in 2009, Jennifer. And I think the quote was from Oprah, but don't tell anybody I was quoting Oprah. <laughs> but it's, it said something like this, forgiveness is giving up the hope that the past could have been any different. And when I read those words, I knew that something very sacred was taking place in my family. That God was showing off. He was getting ready to show off how intricate and how detailed that the circumstances of our lives are ordered to a place to where he can redeem. And so we agreed to meet in Charlottesville, Virginia, and we pulled, they picked, she picked out a restaurant, which none of us remember anything about because we were all crying the whole time. <laughs> and we pulled into the parking lot, and there, was, there they were standing by this humongous Ford pickup truck. 
commonly referred to as Leroy's love truck. <laughs> and I saw her for the very first time, and I was just stunned because she looked so much like me, only much more beautiful. <laughs> and I tell people that know me, you know, that I don't use words like hi or hello in a greeting because I'm too cool for that. <laughs> you know, I'll say something like, hey. <laughs> and I was so anticipating hearing her first words because hadn't, we hadn't talked on the phone. We just texted and emailed each other. And I was waiting, and we got out, and, you know, Sherry and I, we were driving the White Pearl. That's our band van, the White Pearl. It's a white trash treasure. <laughs> and uh, and I got, we got out, Sherry and I, and we walked up and stood waiting to hear what her first words were going to be. And I'm standing there and waiting, and she says, Hey. It was genetic. <laughs> you cannot outrun the hippie gene. <laughs> it's true. You can't. I said, hey, I'm a hugger. And then we went inside. And we cried. And studied each other's face. And I'm real big on being face-to-face -face with people that I've offended. And as soon as I had the opportunity, I had to ask her, even though I'd done it in an email, ask her to forgive me for not being there. And she reached over and grabbed me by the arm, and she said, Well, but you're here now. And we can't change the past, so we're cool. It's genetic. <laughs> so after that, I took him to the house to meet the kids. And his first vision of his grandkids is standing in the back of the church and my almost 18-year-old son is standing on the stage playing guitar with the youth band and sitting at a table is Jacob and the bond and the connection was instant between them and not only him, but mom. The two of them were sitting at the back of the church playing a game and started laughing so hard that they got shushed. <laughs> God has a way of showing up and healing things that you could never imagine are possible and a whole lifetime without of dance recitals of first dates of proms of wedding the birth of children 
so many milestones. And when it came time to meet my dad, all that hurt and all of that anger and that pain was gone. For so many years, I felt abandoned. And when God decided he was going to redeem that, he did it so completely that it's not there anymore. I have no anger. There is no hurt. There is only the blessing of a family restored. And Jessica best described the emotion for us on our first church service together, which was Easter Sunday, 2011. We were at her house on the East Coast, and we were getting ready to go to, to their church, and uh, she brought me a gift, a coffee mug with daddy names all over it that were full of her favorite candy bar, Zeros, which are my favorite candy bar. And last night we discovered our number two favorite candy bar is the same, which are Cherry Mash, you know. And uh, we were talking and she described this event for us and for me when she reached up and she put her hands on my face and she looked me in the eyes and she said, Daddy, it's just like you were always here. You see, I thought the blessings of God started on my life the day that I received him. December 19th, 1976. But God's not bound by time. And he really likes to, sh to show off when it comes to redemption and forgiveness. And so he reached back into my life, into my past, back to a time when I didn't know him, didn't serve him, and didn't regard anything that he had to say. And he said, I'm going to redeem that. And he showed me that he was faithful to his promise when he told me, all of us as parents, that he would be faithful to our seed. And even when I wasn't faithful, he was faithful to me and to my children and to my grandchildren. And I can't tell you the depth of joy and appreciation that I have for this, my daughter, for my daughter Amanda, for my son Jason, for my wife Sherry, for my son-in-law T-Roy, Leroy. <laughs> there you go. You got a new name today. He calls he calls me technical dad, so I'm I'm in Sherry's Timo. T-Roy, yeah. I can't tell you the appreciation that I have for them to be so willing to forgive me for my failure. And probably the hardest thing for me as the offender has been to be able to accept that forgiveness and to be able to walk in it without regret. I was trying, I was kind of vacillating early on with regret. 
and these guys all attacked me like a bunch of wolves one day and said, we're not going to let you have that. And so I had to learn to let it go. God shows off when it's about family and forgiveness. Is there anything else you want to say? When you're willing to open your heart, God can heal the thing that is the most painful and the most devastating. There is no wound too deep. There is no injury too severe. There is no pain that is too great. And if you're willing to just let God have it, he will show off. I look at my family. I look at my 20, almost 26-year-old stepson, and to him, they're Grammy and Pops. He doesn't have to call them that. He doesn't have to welcome that in, but God showed off. And he put love in all of our hearts in the place of that hurt and that pain and that emptiness and forgiveness and hope. It's not often that you come to church and somebody talks so openly about their brokenness. And I think that that needs to change. You know, we come, you know, Chiefs are playing 10 minutes. Susan, do you have your, uh, you have your earpiece on? or you, do you, She was threatening to bring her, like, you know, iPhone and watch the Chiefs with her ear. And I think, you know, because we come to church with our game, with our church face on, you know, we don't want anybody to know that we have these, places in our life that are hurtful and yet that's the very thing that God wants to start working with and so we share this story as our family we agree that we want to do this purposeful and for a reason and the reason that we share this story you know I don't feel too macho sitting up here bawling my eyes out you know what I'm talking about (laughs) But it's so deep and so sacred for me as a husband and as a father. And we've talked to so many people that have similar stories to ours. You know, people come up and say, hey, I'm Jessica or hey, I'm Jimmy or hey, you know, I haven't talked to my children in 10 years or I have this, you know, this son that. I'm alienated from her daughter or I haven't talked to my dad, you know, and just all these stories that we hear. And we found that there's something in common, even with our own story. And that is, is that we stay separated because we're afraid. And because we're afraid, we choose not to do anything just to stay where we're sheltered in our comfort. And so today as a family, we came, all of us, because we know how important it is for us to forgive and be forgiven and what a difference and an impact it can make in our homes, in our families, generationally. And so we want to ask you, if that's you, if you have those hurts and those issues in your life, 
we want to ask you to do something about it. We want to ask you to act beyond the fear, act beyond the past, and do something. What? We can't tell you. That's something you're going to have to discover for yourself. That's between you and God. For some of you, what you need to do is nothing. For some of you, what you need to do is wait. For some of you, what you need to do is make the phone call, have the conversation, do the research, make the trip, and reach out in faith and not in fear. We share this story with our, uh, with our family because we care. We care deeply about each other, and we care deeply about the quality of life that you have. For unforgiveness, the Bible tells us that when we don't forgive, we retain those things in our heart, and we experience life through that unforgiveness. It's a filter that hinders the way that we experience emotionally and the way that we love. And so if that's you today and you need to be forgiven or you need to forgive, then we want to ask you to do something with it, not just anything. We were doing a service like this. We've only done this a few times. We were doing a service like this in West Virginia for Father's Day and at at the table, there was a uh, young man that came out, and he came to me, and he said, tomorrow is my 21st birthday. And during the service, I texted my mother to tell her what I wanted for my birthday present tomorrow. And I said, really, what's that? He said, I want to meet my dad. Said he'd never met his dad, and his mother knew where to find him. Now, somebody came out of the first service and said, I was waiting for the punchline when you said, and then you got a text from his mother. <laughs> that's, that's a true story. The, the part about the guy coming out and telling me that, 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 that happened just a little while ago. But we've watched as so many people that we know have this same issue. And we've seen some great restorations and reconciliations. And uh, do you want to share anything else, honey? You good? Okay. You're not good? Okay. (laughs) Before you do anything... Pray, invite God into the situation, and let him have a look at it. Let him lead you onto what you do, because dad's right. It might be nothing, and that might be what your something looks like, but it might be to make a call. It might be to reach out. It might be to encourage someone else to reach out, because you might be Mom, or Leroy, who without, I couldn't have written the email and answer. Let God in, let him have a look at it.
Let him dust off your box and untie that ribbon and open it up and let the sun shine on it. If you have questions uh, for us, there's some cards out on the table. You can email me from my website or from Facebook. I'd be glad to answer any questions that you have. There's only one prerequisite to questions. Uh, you know, you need to understand that I think I don't know is a proper answer. So as long as you understand that, I'm okay. But, but um, we, you know, a lot of people will come up to us and say, well, what's it like now? You know, it's two, two plus years later. And my answer is always, well, we're a family. You know, and we have all the joys of being a family and all the dysfunction. You know, so we have all those same things that, that uh, yeah, I was looking at you, Leroy. Uh, <laughs> and we have all those dynamics that you have when there's when family. And, you know, how, how does that work? Well, you just, you make the commitment to love each other no matter what. And you just get in there and you stick with it and you go with it and you make it happen. And it doesn't always turn out like you want, you know. And it's not always in the neat, shiny packages that you'd like to have it come in. Sometimes it's, you know, it's ugly and it's not pretty. And you have to get in there and just go through it. But as long as you make that commitment to let forgiveness continue to function in your world and in your life, it's all going to be okay. One way or another. Sherry, do you have anything you'd like to say? No? So before I stop, I just want to honor my children today, my daughter Amanda, my son Jason, my daughter Jessica, their spouses, my grandchildren, my friends, and thank them for walking with us as we've been down this journey for standing with us and being faithful to our friendship and to our loyalty. Friends like Sean and Lisa and Tom and Georgianne that have been there to encourage us to, to walk this walk. Those are things that no job can bring you. No amount of money can satisfy. Those are things that only real relationships with Jesus at the center of, can make happen. And to me, that's what church is all about. That's what the kingdom is all about. So let me pray with you. Father, thank you so much for allowing us as a family to be here today and to share some of the sacred moments from our home. Lord, I pray today that through this story, through this presentation, that many hearts would be open to believe, to be forgiven, and to forgive. And Lord, I pray that there would be great stories of reconciliation, of kingdom life happening in this church and in the lives of these folks. And Lord, that your power would, would reign from us. And Lord, that we would see your kingdom come to our homes as it is in heaven. And I pray for everyone here that we would leave here encouraged that all things are possible. And Lord, that you 
and that we would be reminded that you love to show off in our lives. And Lord, we thank you for that, and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give them a hand, guys. Amen. You know, where does God need to show off in your life today? Where are you at? What's God doing in your heart right now? Why don't you bow your heads and just close your eyes and just think upon that. He's a healer and he's here to make things happen in your life. To cause healing to come. You may be dealing with unforgiveness. Listen, unforgiveness only hurts you. It doesn't hurt the people you have unforgiveness about. But I understand the pain is deep and really you cannot forgive without God. One of the things Jimmy says, he says when he got involved, he, you know, he jacks things up and I know the, know the feeling and I know you do too. And so just like he said, I don't know what you need to do. Just allow God to move in your life. Just commit to him right now. God, where you want me to change, whatever you want me to do, I'll follow you. You are my God. I'll follow you today. Everyone's eyes closed, everyone's head bowed. If you're here today, you say, Sean, I, I've never accepted Jesus Christ. I never gave him my life. In fact, I don't even really know what all that means, but I do know this. I am missing something in my life. I want to tell you what you're missing is Jesus is God. He made a way for you for dying on the cross and taking every one of our sins, past, present, and future, upon Himself so we might have a relationship with Him. So if you're here today, I want to give you an opportunity to start a journey and allow God to show up in your life right now. If you've never given Him your life today, that means you just said, okay, God, here, take control. If you've never done that, and I don't have to convince you because you know you're missing something. I want to pray with you right now. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to lift your hand here in just a minute, and then you can put it down. I want to just pray with you. If you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you want to make Him the very boss of your life, if you want to give Him control and say, God, here, I need you to show up in my life today. If that is you and you're sitting there, I want you to raise your hand right where you're at, and you can put it down. Anybody in here? Say, Pastor Sean, I want to give my life. Okay, you can put your hands down. Anybody else? This is the time. Okay, you can put your hand down. What I want everyone in here to do is repeat after me. I'm going to pray. You repeat after me. And those who raise their hand, just believe that prayer with all your heart. God's going to meet you right where you're at right now. And so everybody repeat after me. Father God, I come to you right now humbly. And I give you my life. I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross to take my sin, all my wrongdoings, past, present, and future upon himself so I might have a relationship with you. So today, I completely give you my life. In Jesus' name. And from this day forward, I will serve you.
and allow you to have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give the Lord praise right now. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Those who prayed that prayer today, listen, let me tell you something. The Bible says you are right standing with God from right now, but this is the beginning of a journey. If you raised your hand or if you didn't raise your hand, but you prayed that prayer with all your heart, please let us know because we want to give you some information and we want to help you grow. Amen? Amen. Well, we're going to stand up here in just a minute and worship, but I want the ushers to come forward. We're going to take up an offering for um, Jimmy and his ministry. They go all around. They go to the Buffalo Chip where none of us can actually go and, and, and preach or teach, okay? But they give him a free reign there. And so we want to bless him and help him move and go and take this, this message of peace, this message of Jesus throughout the world. So if you can give, I want you to give today. You can make your checks to Cornerstone Church. We'll give them all one check. And so let's do that. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray over this offering. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for the ministry of Jimmy Bratcher and all of what he is doing and for you. Lord, bless him. We thank you for him ministering, him and his daughter Jessica ministering that that awesome testimony of reconciliation. And so, Father, I thank you, God, for that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Go ahead and give. And once you are, are, have given the baskets, come by. Stand up and let's worship Jesus. I want our prayer team to come on up here, too. If you want prayer for anything, we are here for you.